Welcome to the Biner Family Speaker Series, a podcast dedicated to high-level research on contemporary anti-Semitism by fostering productive and collegial discussion of the most pertinent issues before us. Hosted by the Indiana University Institute for the Study of Contemporary Anti-Semitism. For more information about this speaker series, ISCA News, or videos of past webinars, please visit our website at isca.indiana.edu. And now to present our speaker, Dr. Alvin H. Rosenfeld. Special thanks, Ophira, to you. It's wonderful to have you join us. Um, Right now, uh, it's raining in Bloomington where we are. I'm not sure what's doing in Tel Aviv, but uh, I look forward to visiting your city before long, God willing that will be, and saying hello to many friends and family there. Today's session with Ophir Winter couldn't be more pertinent. The question of normalization and its opposite anti-normalization is right smack at the center of the most serious discussions that take place involving Israel's relations with its neighboring countries. And we couldn't ask for a better spokesperson to address that question than Ophir Winter. Uh, Dr. Winter did his doctoral studies at Tel Aviv University, where he took his PhD in the Department of Middle Eastern and African History. He teaches courses uh, on these subjects, both at Tel Aviv University and at Shalem College in uh, Jerusalem, But as you can see from the backdrop to his presentation today, he's also associated with Israel's major think tank, the Institute for National Security Studies, arguably, in fact, the most important center of its kind, focusing on security studies in the Middle East. He recently was appointed the Alice and Paul Baker senior researcher at INSS. Ohedi Mazaltov to you, Ophir, for that distinction. I myself first came across his research through a book that he did together with Uri Ashavit at Tel Aviv University on Zionism within Arab discourses that was published in 2016. And to his credit, just this year, uh, de Gruyter brought out his book, uh, Peace in the Name of Allah, Islamic Discourses on Treaties with Israel. It's a very mixed discourse, as we'll hear from him. We're all uh, aware of and excited by the promises held out by the Abraham Accords at the same, which certainly goes far towards normalizing relations with Israel. At the same time, not too long ago within Iraq, al-Sadr pronounced the death sentence on people normalizing relations with Israel. So it's a very contested issue. It's an issue vital, in fact, to peace and security in the Middle East and it will be the focus of our guest's lecture uh, today. Ophir, it's now my pleasure to hand over to you. We all look forward to hearing you. 
Thank you so much, uh, Professor uh, Alvin Rosenfeld. I hope that you can hear me well. And uh, thank you also, uh, Dr. Uh, Gunther uh, Gikli, for uh, inviting me to this uh, webinar. Uh, it's a great opportunity, uh, first of all, to join you from uh, uh, Israel and then to discuss uh, some insights uh, from uh, my new book, uh, Peace in the Name of Allah, which was published uh, just earlier uh, this year. I will, if it's okay, I will try to uh, share with you now um, my presentation. Do you see it well? Excellent. So uh, the, the focus as, of my book, as uh, Alvin mentioned, is how uh, Arab uh, regimes, particularly uh, Egypt, Jordan, and the United Arab Emirates, uh, tried to prepare uh, their own public opinions for uh, peace and normalization uh, agreements with Israel and legitimize a relationship that uh, has been perceived for many years as an illegitimate one. Uh, as you can mention, uh, as you can uh, imagine, and as you know, I guess, the regime uh, faced uh, fierce uh, domestic opposition, especially by Islamist parties, and many of the objections uh, for peace uh, treaties and normalization with Israel, with the Jews, had an anti-Semitic uh, tone. And the regime who defended these agreements had to counter these arguments on the same religious uh, grounds. To be clear, uh, my book doesn't claim that peace agreements with Israel or with the Jews are a result of Islamic uh, religious considerations. Not at all. Um, as we all know, each Arab uh, regime, uh, each Arab leader had his own realpolitik uh, considerations, pragmatic ones, which we're quite familiar with when it comes to make peace with Israel. However, uh, Islamic argumentations could help uh, portray, as I will try to prove you, uh, could help portray a peace with the Jews not only as a beneficial uh, political decision, but also as religiously moral one. Uh, and I think uh, here is the importance of uh, Islam in creating what some people define as the culture of peace and fighting anti-Semitism in uh, Arab uh, societies. Peace could be not just a forced marriage, but a voluntary decision that came probably, hopefully, uh, from the heart. So let me open with some general word about peace in Islam, because I think it's important. Uh, unlike what uh, some tend to think, Islam itself, in its uh, uh, essence, is not against uh, peace with Israel and the Jews, and not for peace with Israel and the Jews. Different Muslims uh, rely on different Islamic uh, sources from the Quran, from the tradition, in order to justify different opinions. And at times, these op opinions are even uh, contradictory. The Quran uh, contains verses that uh, preach peace as a supreme value, alongside verses that uh, preach war against non Muslims. Uh, the tradition, likewise, uh, contains uh, contrasting, uh, uh, contrasting uh, narratives uh, favoring peace and favoring uh, war. 
And this diversity in the sources itself of the, of the Muslims afford them uh, a room to maneuver the contemporary Muslims uh, by following some examples and disregarding uh, others. The ambivalence of Islamic uh, scriptures on issues of war of peace stems from uh, historical circumstances in which the Quran and the tradition, the Hadith, were composed. Uh, the accepted uh, distinction is the one that you can see here in my uh, presentation between the uh, Mikian period, period from the revelation until uh, the Hijra of Muhammad to, to Medina and the Madinian uh, period from the Hijra until uh, Muhammad's uh, death. Uh, more peaceful uh, verses are generally associated with the period, period of Muhammad's uh, activity in Mecca when Islam was uh, beginning to grow up in a very hostile environment and uh, lacked military uh, power base. And for this reason, um, Muhammad had to do many concessions to the uh, surrounding pagan uh, majority society. Conversely, uh, the verses of the Medinian period were revealed after the Hijra when the community of uh, Muslim believers had become a political military uh, entity with both defensive and offensive capabilities and also ambitions to, uh, uh, of expansion. Addressing the question of how to decide between Mikian uh, uh, surahs and Madinian ones, uh, or at least to reconcile the contradictions between them is uh, still a, a point of uh, argument between different uh, Muslim jurists, and uh, maybe we can address this issue uh, later on. Um, as for the attitudes towards uh, the Jews, Islamic sources can also be divided into two main periods, an earlier uh, friendly period and the, and the later uh, more hostile one. The positive attitude uh, towards the Jews in the early period is manifested in the choice, for example, uh, of uh, Jerusalem as the first direction of prayer. It's uh, uh, what we call, they call in Arabic, Ula uh, el-Kiblaten. Apparently, it was an attempt to attract the Jews of the Arabian uh, Peninsula to the religion uh, of uh, Muhammad. Furthermore, uh, Early uh, Quranic verses contain references to Jewish uh, forefathers and, to, and even to uh, God's uh, promise of the Holy Land to the children of Israel. And uh, some verses even refer to the Jews as, uh, and, uh, and also to the Christians, by the way, as what we all familiar with, uh, people of the book. I guess you heard this notion. The friendly uh, period in Islamic Jewish relations continued until shortly after uh, the Hijra, when the Prophet Muhammad and uh, the people of Medina, including some of the city's uh, Jewish tribes, signs, signed a treaty, which is known as uh, the Constitution of Medina. And, uh, this document set out uh, the rights uh, of uh, the city's inhabitants, including security, freedom of uh, uh, worship, and mutual uh, trade, as well as some duties, including uh, recognizing Muhammad's status as the supreme authority in the city and defending the city uh, with the Muslims against 
the enemies of the Muslims. The hostile uh, period in relations between the Prophet himself and the Jews began, uh, began after Muhammad uh, realized that uh, the Jewish tribes of Medina, although they were willing to sign uh, treaties with him and even pleased by the prospect to uh, spread monotheism, were unwilling to recognize his uh, mission and join his new religion. Uh, the, the relations uh, between both sides uh, soured and uh, the treaties gradually uh, crumbled and uh, it, it led to confrontation and to a very tragic fate uh, for these uh, Jewish tribes in Medina. Uh, the hadith, the traditional literature, justifies attacks by Muslims on uh, these uh, Jewish tribes by claiming that uh, they violated their treaties with the Muslims, allied against them, and uh, even plotted to assassinate uh, Prophet Muhammad. St similar accusations are also expressed uh, in the Quran, which describes the Jews not all, only as uh, the uh, people that uh, came from uh, Israel, and even uh, the land of Israel belongs to them, but also as viol uh, violators of convents, killers of the prophets, and unbelievers who turned their uh, back on God, cursed him, and uh, he turned them, uh, according to the Quran, to uh, apes and pigs. Following uh, the crisis in the relation between uh, Muhammad and the Jewish tribes, Islam acted to differentiate itself uh, from Judaism by changing some uh, commandments uh, that were borrowed from uh, the Jewish faith. Of course, uh, uh, Friday uh, became the holy day instead of Saturday. The direction of the prayer uh, was changed from uh, Jerusalem to the Kaaba uh, in Mecca, and uh, the Yom Kippur fast uh, was replaced by uh, the month of uh, Ramadan, for example. So, such uh, historical ambivalence in the holy scripts creates uh, ambiguity, constructive as well as a destructive one, which is reflected in contemporary uh, Islamic polemic also on peace with uh, Israel and the Jews. To make my argument a little bit more concrete, I would like to share with you um, a personal experience uh, I had in Bahrain uh, last April. I attended uh, uh, with uh, Professor Riyashavit that you just mentioned before, Alvin, uh, a prayer for peace uh, at a place uh, at the cathedral. Its name is Our Lady of Arabia, uh, near Manama. And the event held under the patronage of uh, the king himself, King Hamad. And one by one, uh, local spiritual leaders representing uh, different religions conveyed messages of coexistence in this uh, ceremony. When uh, the Muslim uh, Imam spoke about Islam as a religion of peace, uh, my smartphone uh, broke up with, you know, some pushes uh, with the news about a terror attack in the heart of Tel Aviv in Dizengoff by Islamists. So it was a very striking moment when both peaceful Imam and the, the terrorists acted in the very same time in the name of Islam. And I want to uh, ask to hear uh, the Jewish speaker at the event, uh, Abraham uh, Nunu. He was a former member of the uh, upper house of the Bahraini parliament. When one seat is uh, reserved for Jews, I hope you will be able to hear it. Uh, 
So uh, the main opponents uh, of peace treaties with Israel in both uh, in uh, both uh, uh, in, in all the Arab countries yes that made peace with Israel are uh, Islamist uh, forces namely uh, mainly the Muslim Brotherhood and each uh, country uh, has its own uh, branches and offsprings uh, of this uh, movement. I have to say, because we are here uh, in, the, in this context of anti-Semitism, not all of their arguments against peace with Israel are anti-Semitic ones. For example, uh, they regard Palestine as part of the Islamic uh, Ummah, Islamic nation, the caliphate that should be uh, reunited in the future according to their uh, vision, and they refuse to recognize Israel as a permanent uh, political entity. Yet, uh, unfortunately, I have to say that uh, many Islamist writings are also uh, bluntly anti-Semitic. Based on uh, selected uh, Quranic verses and hadiths, uh, you can see one example here. Uh, they portray Jews as the historic enemies of Muslims since the time of the Prophet until today, enemies of humanity and enemies of Islam. Uh, moreover, many uh, conspiracies are att attributed by Islamists to Jews to control the world, uh, to dominate the Muslim uh, societies, to corrupt them. Uh, Jews are perceived uh, very regularly as unacceptable uh, partners for peace due to uh, their uh, alleged uh, negative uh, inherent characteristics, including uh, cruelty, uh, miserliness, uh, treachery, violation of contracts. Uh, such prevalent uh, anti-Semitic uh, sentiments in Muslim societies are of course uh, a huge challenge in the face of any uh, paradigmatic change or shift uh, towards peace with Israel and the Jews. I would like to share with you uh, several short examples of Islamist uh, anti-Semitic approaches. And let's start, of course, naturally with the Egyptian uh, Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, its mouthpiece was uh, El Dawa, a month monthly magazine at the time. And following uh, Sadat's historical visit to Jerusalem in November 1977, the magazine stressed that uh, the Jewish enemy's uh, demonic uh, nature uh, doesn't enable this peace uh, to, to uh, doesn't enable them to support uh, this uh, peace agreement or this uh, peace uh, initiative. In uh, December, uh, it's a detoil urged the readers uh, and maybe also Sadat himself to remember the nature of the Jews, and I quote, uh, as described in the Quran, namely that they are uh, 
contract breakers, uh, the bitter enemies of the believers. Uh, El Dawa also uh, published an article that was titled uh, "The Jews Natures." Uh, the Jews' nature prevents them from uh, living in peace with the others. Uh, and the article presented uh, the author's insights about the Jews based on uh, Hitler's uh, main camp and based on the Quran, uh, which, uh, and I, again I quote, preceded Hitler by 1,400 years. The author uh, assessed that the coming period of normalization with Israel would be the most dangerous period in Egypt's uh, history. The Muslim Brotherhood also warned of a dangerous Jewish invasion to Egypt's economic, cultural, moral, uh, social, and religious, uh, religious life under uh, the banner of peace. Uh, let's move now to uh, the Muslim Brotherhood in Jordan, the country who made peace with Israel, the second country who made peace with Israel in uh, 1994. And the uh, central to their criticism was the issue of uh, normalization, not only peace, also normalization, because unlike uh, the Egyptian regime, which we, uh, preferred, as we know, a, a cold peace with Israel, the Jordanian monarchy encouraged uh, joint projects with Israel in the spheres of economy, uh, culture, even art. The Muslim Brotherhood uh, opposed the, uh, King Hussein's uh, attempts to legitimize uh, uh, good relations with the Jews and highlighted uh, the distinction made in the Quran between the children uh, of Israel, whom Allah favored, and the Jews who are described uh, in the Quran uh, as infidels, uh, aggressors, oppressors, murderers, and criminals. An article in their own mouthpiece, uh, his name uh, is uh, El Sabil, explained that uh, anyone who referred to the Jewish state as Israel was accepting the false attempt to remove the psychological barrier that rightfully separates uh, the Islamic nation uh, from the Jews. And this is a direct uh, quotation from the article. Uh, the prophet, uh, you can see it, uh, peace and prayer upon him, called them the descendants of the apes and swine, uh, not our cousins or the fellow children of Abraham. As we will see uh, very shortly, this was a direct criticism of uh, King Hussein's call to Jews, uh, the children of Abraham. I jump now to the Abraham Accords of 2020, 2020 between uh, First of all, the first country was the, Arab, uh, the United Arab Emirates. And the Emirati uh, Islamist uh, dissident, uh, Saeed Al-Tunayji, he is a co-founder of the Muslim Brotherhood's uh, party in the UAE, Al-Islah, and the co-founder of uh, the Emirati Association Against Normalization. He is now uh, in exile. He wondered how uh, the normalizers could trust the Jews, uh, the killers of the prophets, and, and make peace with people whose history, uh, according to, to what he wrote, is based on aggression against the prophets and all the nations of the world. Uh, in an article uh, he authored, uh, Al-Tunaji called the Jews the enemies of the believers and listed the massacres that uh, uh, attributed to them and to modern Israel, which uh, he claimed uh, reflect 
their barbaric uh, doctrine that uh, designates uh, the Jews as the chosen people and all others as no more than uh, animals. According to El Tunaiji, the Jews do not direct their uh, animosity only to the Palestinians, but uh, to the entire uh, world, according uh, to what is written in the Quran. So, uh, as I show in my book, the agreements uh, with Israel uh, were accompanied by a heated uh, religious polemic between, between the regimes and their uh, state Islam uh, affiliated uh, official institutions from one side and the opponents uh, of peace with Israel, mainly, as I said, the uh, Islamists and the Muslim Brotherhood affiliates from the other side. Arab uh, regimes uh, used different uh, Islamic justifications, which I uh, discuss in my book for peace with Israel, including uh, presenting uh, Islam as a religion of peace, uh, highlighting uh, the agreement's contribution to promotion uh, of the principal objective of the Sharia, um, validating some uh, precedents from uh, the time of the Prophet, particularly maybe you heard about the Treaty of uh, Hudaybiyah as an example for contemporary uh, Muslims' inclinations towards peace with Israel. Uh, and the last main argument, which uh, I, uh, I try to focus in, uh, in um, this presentation, is the conceptual, conceptualization of Jews as uh, appropriate and uh, legitimate uh, partners for peace with the Muslims, unlike uh, the Islamist anti-Semitic uh, anti approach that we just uh, saw. So let's uh, see several examples. Uh, I will start again uh, with uh, Egypt and Sadat and uh, his uh, famous addressed to the Israeli Knesset exactly 45 uh, years ago, which highlighted, uh, uh, which he highlighted uh, during this uh, address, the close connection between uh, Judaism and Islam. In his closing uh, statement, he, he quoted a Quranic verse which uh, recognizes uh, the Jewish prophets, uh, you can see, uh, you can see it here in the presentation. Later on, uh, during uh, the peace talks, Sadat even uh, proposed, maybe some of you remember, the establishing of a spiritual center for members of the free and monotheistic faiths on Mount uh, Sinai, Jabal Musa in Arabic, where a synagogue, a mosque and a church would be uh, built side by side and serve as a symbol of peace and brotherhood among uh, the Abrahamic uh, religions. As you may imagine, the Muslim Brotherhood uh, didn't welcome uh, this initiative. An article in Al-Da'wa uh, magazine claimed that such a center uh, is against uh, the uh, directions uh, or directives of the Quran, as uh, Muslims uh, may not uh, allow uh, may not allow uh, a church and a synagogue to be placed uh, on the same level as a mosque. Uh, the, the initiative uh, died, the initiative to buy this uh, spiritual center died, uh, unfortunately, with uh, Sadat, which was assassinated in uh, October uh, 81. 
but we will come back uh, to uh, his uh, initiative very soon when we speak of uh, the United Arab uh, Emirates. Um, historical uh, precedent mentioned in, in the polemic over peace was the constitution of Medina, uh, signed, as I told before, by Muhammad and some of the Jewish tribes of the city. Uh, both sides, uh, the regime and the Islamists, accepted the traditional Islamic narrative uh, that uh, the Jewish tribes pledged to accept Muhammad as uh, the supreme authority of Medina, uh, help the Muslim to defend it and avoid uh, alliances with uh, uh, idolaters in exchange for uh, Muslim recognition of their religion and uh, a promise to defend them and their property. Likewise, both sides, uh, Islamists and the regime, uh, accepted that the Jewish tribes uh, later violated uh, the, the constitution and when they allied with the, the Quraysh uh, tribe against the Muslims. So where was the controversy or where is the controversy between both sides? Uh, it centered uh, around the lesson to be derived from uh, the constitution of Medina. The regime spokesman emphasized uh, the period of reconciliation. Uh, between uh, the Prophet and the Jews, while uh, Islamists uh, focused on the break of their uh, relations. For example, you can see here uh, the Egyptian Mufti, uh, Gad al-Haq, uh, declared the Egyptian Mufti, of course, he was affiliated with the regime, with Sadat, and he declared that uh, the Prophet's life provided a, a proof of his uh, inclination to make peace with non-Muslims and that uh, his uh, first peace treaty, the first peace treaty that uh, was ever made by uh, Prophet Muhammad was particularly with the Jews. Uh, even uh, more so in a possible uh, attempt to grant uh, legitimacy to direct normalization between Egypt and Israel in contemporary times, he also noted uh, that under the constitution of Medina, Muslim and Jews enjoyed excellent trade relations that contributed to their uh, economic prosperity. The Muslim Brotherhood, on the other hand, focused on the battles that erupted between Muhammad and the Jewish tribes after the collapse of this uh, constitution, and saw this as a proof uh, of the animosity that uh, prevailed between Muslim and Jews since earliest days of Islam, and the charter's uh, violation was presented by Islamists as a, another evidence for the Jews' uh, unreliability as partners for peace. Uh, last slide about Egypt. Uh, long before uh, the recent Abraham Accord, Sadat called uh, Jews cousins and uh, even fellow sons of Abraham. In 1979, uh, one of uh, Sadat's main spokesmen and biographer uh, Abdel Munim Shamis. Uh, he wrote kind of a, a pamphlet of propaganda in favor of peace with Israel, where he explained that peace with Israel was not an acceptance of Zionism, but rather a preservation uh, of the coexistence that used to exist between uh, Muslim and Jews, sons of Abraham in, the, in Egypt and the, the rest of the uh, region. While Muslim Brotherhood, as we mentioned, 
regarded the Jews as historical enemies, Shamis and also Sadat, try to portray them as uh, historical, historic uh, neighbors. And Shamis even hinted at a deeper insight, namely that uh, recognizing the Jews as a religious minority that lived peacefully among its Muslim neighbors for centuries uh, in Egypt, in Syria, and elsewhere in the Middle East, enabled Israel to be viewed uh, more positively, also today, as a kind of uh, a re-incarnation of the historical Jewish presence in the region, which had always been an organic and uh, legitimate part of its fabric, neither uh, alien or uh, threatening towards uh, its uh, neighbors, unlike what we uh, heard that the Islamists uh, assumed. As Shamis uh, put it in this beautiful quotation from his uh, propaganda booklet, Jews had a neighborhood in Cairo and uh, a neighborhood in Damascus, and that, now they uh, came to have a large neighborhood in Israel. So this is also another uh, way to portray the historical uh, uh, narrative of uh, Israel and its neighbors, Jews and their, their fellow Muslims. Uh, Hussein's path uh, to legitimizing peace with Israel was uh, smoother than uh, his Egyptian counterpart. The taboo against uh, signing peace agreement with Israel was already broken by Egypt 15 years ago. And uh, Syrians and Palestinians were already participated in the Madrid conference and uh, joined the, the peace process. Despite this, uh, also in Jordan, uh, especially the Jordanian public opinion, you know, at least half of it are uh, Palestinians in origin. And the Muslim Brotherhood was and still is a significant part and influential factor. And the transition from conflict to peace with Israel was not easy at all. Uh, in addition, uh, as mentioned, Jordan looked for a warmer uh, and broader uh, peace and economic uh, uh, cooperation with Israel. And the challenge was not just to legitimize the basic uh, act of making peace, but also the uh, forging of peaceful ties in many diverse uh, aspects of normalization. Uh, this is why the attempt to revive uh, positive aspects of the historical relations between Muslims and uh, Jews, uh, which was uh, rather marginal in the Egyptian uh, peace discourse, played a, a much a more central role in the peace rhetoric of the Jordanian regime. King Hussein uh, believed that in order to translate the warm peace policy uh, he wanted with Israel into uh, facts on the ground, it was essential to foster uh, warmer uh, relations between the two peoples. And to this end, he advanced the narrative that peace with the Jews is a renewal of the fraternity uh, between uh, the two religions that were born uh, in the same geographical er uh, area, share common roots and similar uh, religious uh, cultural uh, heritage, and have a long history of friendly relations which should be restored. Uh, the, the metaphor that uh, was uh, most prominently used by the Jordanian king uh, was the children of Abraham, uh, implying that uh, peace between Jordan and Israel revived uh, this ancient uh, blood ties uh, between uh, uh, two brothers, two sons of uh, a single forefather. 
the phrase children of Abraham appeared uh, in many of Hussein's uh, speeches, for example, at the signing ceremony uh, of the peace treaty in the Arava crossing border, the king said that all children of Abraham, and he mentioned the, the Jordanians, the Israelis, the Palestinians, would remember uh, that moment as a, a new era, a dawning of a new era of, uh, of peace, mutual respect, uh, tolerance, and coming together of, uh, of different people. And according to uh, this metaphor of uh, children of Abraham, uh, instead of historical uh, rivals, Jews and Muslims can see themselves as cousins who quarreled indeed, but can reconcile and restore their original uh, fraternal relations. In the picture here, uh, you may see uh, a, a postal stamp uh, commemorates uh, King Hussein uh, one year after he died and his peaceful uh, um, message. Now let's go uh, back to the Abraham Accords between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. Uh, do you remember uh, the first time that uh, this name, the Abraham Accords, was announced? It was uh, a press conference on August uh, 13th in the Oval Office when uh, President Trump uh, asked the US ambassador uh, in Jerusalem at the time, uh, David Friedman, to explain uh, the meaning of this name. And the ambassador uh, said that, of course, he was a little bit embarrassed from uh, this mission, but he said that uh, Abraham was the father of the three monotheistic uh, faiths and uh, no uh, figure uh, better symbolizes than him the potential for uh, uh, unity among uh, uh, both uh, religions. And Trump uh, remarked in response, perhaps mocking, perhaps not, you can't know with Trump, that he wanted to name uh, the agreement after himself, but uh, he had uh, refrained uh, for fear of the reaction of uh, uh, the American press. Uh, what is important, I think, that uh, the name of the agreements uh, reflected very well that the, the architects of uh, this uh, agreement were aware of the importance of uh, constructing a new narrative that would portray Muslim and Jews as relatives rather than uh, historical uh, rivals, rivals, because the narrative is also important. Uh, as you can see here, the agreement uh, articulates uh, the uh, even the you know the text of the agreement itself articulates the recognition uh, of the Arab and Jewish peoples as the descendants of a common uh, ancestor Abraham. Uh, and so on, so on and so forth. Uh, following the signing of the Abraham Accords in, in, in uh, September 2020, which was the official signing, and the Emirati authorities also showed an increased uh, inclination, which is rather uncommon in uh, Arab uh, countries to recognize the Holocaust. A reflection of this was the opening, um, I, I'm sure you heard about it, the opening in, in uh, 2021 of a Holocaust, uh, Holocaust uh, Memorial Exhibition in the Crossroad of Civilization Museum in Dubai, featuring uh, some historical texts uh, on the persecution of European Jews by the Nazis, uh, photographs and uh, exhibits uh, commemorating the one and a half million children killed in the Holocaust, 
including the story of uh, Anna Frank and uh, some personal testimonies of uh, Holocaust survivors who managed to build uh, their new lives uh, in Israel and other uh, countries. The exhibition also pays a special uh, tribute to Muslims uh, who saved Jews during the Holocaust. For example, uh, uh, Egyptian one, uh, uh, Hilmi, which is very uh, famous one. In a corner uh, uh, of the exhibition, you can see the, uh, uh, the board uh, here, bearing uh, the Quranic verse. I know it also exists in the Bible. Uh, whoever saves one life saves uh, the world entire, in both uh, Arabic and English. Another board, uh, which is not in the picture, uh, present statements uh, made by the Emirati foreign minister, uh, Abdallah ben Zayed, on a joint uh, visit with his uh, Israeli counterpart uh, to the uh, Holocaust uh, Memorial in Berlin, uh, where the minister identified uh, with the victims of uh, Nazism. In, in the museum uh, country, uh, courtyard, outside, uh, there is a large colorful uh, drawing created uh, jointly by Israeli and Emirati artists. It shows two young men, an Emirati and uh, an Israeli, uh, chatting, uh, probably uh, drinking together from a traditional uh, coffee pot against uh, the backdrop of uh, the view of uh, Dubai sunset. Above them is uh, the word uh, cousins uh, in Arabic and Hebrew, grandsons of uh, Abraham. Uh, the museum's uh, founder, a very interesting uh, and impressive uh, person, uh, his name is uh, Ahmed Ubaid al-Mansouri. He, uh, he served before as a parliament member, uh, and he established uh, this museum in a building that was provided uh, by the authorities back in 2013. Most of the items, including uh, the Jewish items that are exhibited uh, are uh, from his personal uh, collection, and uh, the, the museum target audience includes tourists and also local uh, school children, local Emirati school children. Uh, I visited the place, uh, I think it was May 2021, and he told me that uh, he uh, himself ascribes a great importance to the joint historical uh, roots of Muslim Jews and Christians and seeks to present uh, uh, this uh, peaceful uh, uh, conciliatory uh, narrative in his museum. Uh, this exhibition is the first uh, of its kind in the Arab world, and it's groundbreaking, I think, in several respects. First, it replaces uh, the common Holocaust denial uh, that prevails in many Arab societies with recognition. Second, it offers an alternative approach uh, of uh, empathy instead of the prevailing uh, zero-sum game dynamics, dynamics of uh, competitive uh, uh, victimhood between the Israeli and Palestinians' uh, national uh, narratives. And third, it paves the way, I think, for uh, a kind of a, a new uh, a form of inter, uh, intercultural interactions uh, between Muslim and Jews based on the historical evidence, not based on conspiracies. Uh, the Emirati uh, peace uh, rhetoric differed considerably, I, I must say, from the Egyptian and the Jordanian ones. Uh, the first difference 
had to do with the uh, character of the internal opposition to the peace agreement. The Emirati regime had uh, the benefit, the benefit of a relatively quiet uh, domestic arena. There are no Muslim Brotherhood today in the UAE. More, moreover, uh, the Emirati campaign uh, for peace with Israel and the Jews was grounded uh, in a religious ideological infrastructure already tempered by uh, a moderate Islamic discourse of tolerance towards uh, other religions, especially Jews and Christians, uh, which formed a basis of culture of, culture of peace, uh, for culture of peace. And th this uh, discourse uh, is not new to the uh, UAE. It began following the 9-11 in 2003, 2001, 2000, 2003. And already uh, in 2019, during the events of the year of tolerance in the UAE, uh, the Emirate announced an initiative to build uh, the Abrahamic family house uh, in Abu Dhabi, which is, it will be familiar for you, it's a, a joint religious complex uh, including a mosque, a church, and a synagogue, very similar uh, to the one uh, that Sadat planned to build on Mount Sinai. Uh, the free, how you can see here uh, how it should look like. Uh, and the, uh, the free uh, houses of worship are expected at least to be completed by the end of the, this year. Uh, such an emphasis on uh, fostering uh, dialogue and coexistence among the Abrahamic faiths including Judaism and Islam, uh, have, have presented the peace treaty and presented uh, the Emirati public opinion as part of a wider uh, national heritage of religious uh, tolerance and not only related to the Abraham Accords. Uh, in the same spirit, uh, following the Abraham Accord, Jews uh, are portrayed by the regime and by affiliated uh, clerics as legitimate and desirable partners for agreements with the Muslims, um, since they are a fellow descendants of Abraham, and also based on the uh, precedent that we mentioned before, the constitution of Medina between Muhammad and the Jews. And so uh, I think this discourse of, uh, of uh, tolerance uh, was promoted not, uh, it was not meant to prepare the ground specifically for the Abraham Accords, but it laid, but however, it laid down uh, a religious uh, infrastructure that facilitated the promotion of uh, the agreement, the acceptance by the Emirati public. Uh, approaching to, to the end of uh, my presentation, uh, it's important to know that uh, religious uh, polemic uh, continues even nowadays. Uh, as you all know, each narrative has a counter narrative. The, Arab, uh, the Abraham Accords uh, awakened con many conspiracy theories in, in, in the Arab world. The most popular one, which uh, combined uh, with uh, some anti-Semitic uh, arguments, suggested a kind of a Jewish, uh, Zionist, American plot to create a new religion called Ibrahimiya, which would harm Islam. This conspiracy theory uh, developed uh, as a response to the UAE decision to establish the Abrahamic family house in Abu Dhabi that I just mentioned. And the conspiracy is surfaced in many fatwas, articles, even several books 
You may see uh, on your left one of uh, these books. Another active player, not a passive one, in the polemic is Israel, who worked to foster peaceful religious narratives in the Arab world. This cartoon was published only last month on the Arabic Twitter account of the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs. It asks in Arabic, how does our father Abraham, or Ibrahim in Arabic, yes, see the peace, uh, the peace between uh, the cousins. And the answer comes from the biblical verse, and you uh, shall be father of many nations and kings shall come out of uh, thee. So uh, you see that uh, Israel also uh, try to encourage uh, this kind of, uh, these kind of narratives and uh, seem, seems to understand the appeal of such uh, a religious discourse for some Arab Muslims and uh, probably some Arab uh, Christian audiences as well. Uh, finally, one should ask uh, how effective were these religious messages in achieving their uh, main goal, uh, namely legitimizing or delegitimizing uh, peace with Israel and the Jews. So it's not easy uh, to conduct a reliable public opinion service in non-democratic uh, Arab states. Yet, let me share with you some findings. In June 2020, about two months uh, before the announcement of the Abraham Accords, the proportion of Emiratis favoring normalization with Israelis was only 14%. In October that year, so it means one month after the signing of the agreement and two months after their announcement, this figure rose to 39%. The survey was conducted, by the way, by the Washington Institute for Near East Policy. These results reflect, I think, the magnitude of the challenge faced by the Emirati regime. Very small numbers supported normalization with Israel, when it, when it initially came to uh, market this initiative to its citizens, but also its uh, success, or at least partial uh, success in increasing the level of support uh, for its uh, yet very uh, contested policy. I think that if there was uh, indeed significant uh, shift in the public opinion in favor of the agreement, the regime's religious arguments that were in the center may have had a part in affecting uh, this change. By the way, similar findings uh, were evident at the time also in Egypt and Jordan about uh, the positive changes. So, um, Gunther, I think uh, I will stop here and uh, maybe open the stage for, uh, hopefully for your comments, uh, for your questions. So thank you very much.